Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshman, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be discussing the 2007 American horror film 30 Days of Night, directed by David Slade and starring Josh Hartnett and Melissa George. In this film, a remote town in Alaska is attacked by a group of vampires who look like they might have just come out of uh, a recent wedding party. Uh, as usual, Brian and I are going to spend the first part of this episode having a spoiler-free discussion on the background of this film, and after we take a quick musical break, we'll dive into the plot, get into the spoilers, and give our review. Brian, was this a first watch for you? <laughs> yeah, it was. A wedding party? <laughs> yeah. You didn't think they were dressed up like they just came from a wedding party or something? Uh, I'm trying to look back on their dress now. It, it did Something did seem a little off. It was like a Blazers, uh, no tie look, which, you know, it's, it's a good classic look to wear to, to like an after party for a wedding or something. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, pretty, pretty elegant. I guess that's the thing with vampires, aren't they? It was like kind of well-dressed. Well, these were, these were fairly elegant, except for the fact that they constantly had messy mouths. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that, the vampire's lack of skill with a napkin in the past. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, would it kill them to, to, to wipe their faces from time to time? I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, oh man, I'm sorry. What did you ask me? Oh yeah, this was my first time watching this, and yeah. this is a, uh, a request from a couple of people from forever ago. So we're sorry for the delay. But oh. I think Eric and Mike both requested this. Yeah, and I think uh, Kyle had pinged me uh, a few months ago too to say heads up on this one. That's oh really? One. Okay. Wow. It's high demand. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm surprised because I, I don't think I was aware of it before I heard about it from Kyle. Like, had you heard about it before? Yeah, I think I was aware of this one when it came out. Back in like 2007 or so? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, and it's pretty neat that it's streaming for free online. Like, I, that was that was random to find. Yeah, on Tubi? On Tubi, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of like Tubi. I don't mind the commercial breaks. It's kind of a nice moment to get up and get a snack or... Or jot some notes down or anything? Take some notes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind that either. That was the... And there weren't like that many. It was only like three or four times, right? Yeah, it's really fairly non-intrusive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that this film is on there because I, I, it's, it's just weird it's not like streaming somewhere and like earning money. Uh, it's just yeah. a random one to find for free. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it earns money on the ads somehow, so. Sure, yeah. Um, well, so I, I thought this one had an interesting background where it sounds like it first was uh, they were trying to make a film, but then it got denied, so they made a comic book out of it. Uh, but then someone converted the com- or the they made the comic book into a film. Is that your understanding? I think that's how it went down. Yeah, and like Sam Raimi got involved at some point as producer. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I have to wonder. I mean, I'm sure it was turned down initially just as a hard sell or something, but I have to wonder. I can't remember what the timeline was. I feel like maybe a movie like 28 Days Later or something like that combined with the Twilight Boom could have been a a column in the yes mark for the producers to greenlight this movie. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the perfect storm of things happening. Yeah, because it's really, it's a vampire movie, but it plays out like a, uh, a zombie, a zombie film. movie. Totally. I thought that was really unique about this. I'm not sure. Have you seen like other vampire films like this where you get like a horde of them attacking? What do you, like, I mean, do you think this is like a uh, Dust Till Dawn kind of uh, vampire film? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Dust Till Dawn maybe does have a little bit of a zombie vibe to it. Um, yeah. But not quite as much. This is this was much more zombie than I than I think of when I think yeah. of Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, right. Yeah, very like interesting hybrid. Because usually like vampires are like pretty chill and like low key trying to keep a low profile. But in this one, you just have them like rampaging a town for 30 days. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like a zombie movie in that it's they're monstrous, which they were like in From Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, like you said, they're rampaging a town and the town is isolated. So it's essentially like the apocalypse for this yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, like a post apocalyptic movie. Yeah, right. And of course, there are. This is in Alaska, so there are 30 days of night, so the vampires can be out in plain sight, just walking the streets in droves like a zombie apocalypse. Right. Yeah, that part's and very then, convenient. Yeah. And then the main characters are going in hiding and trying not to expose themselves in public. It was it was very on par with a zombie movie. Yeah, it was almost like a zombie movie where the zombies could basically like talk and like have like intentions, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And vampires also have that like uh, similar thing where if they bite someone, they can turn them to get similar to a zombie. So uh, yeah, a lot of overlap, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think this is really a spoiler, but in the mythology of this movie, and I think comic, you can spread the disease via a scratch even. Oh, like really? Like any ty- type of wound, it seemed. That's yeah. what I read, at least. Okay. And I think that adds up with something we see in the plot as we walk through it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so pretty infectious, huh? Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, how do you feel um, about vampire films in general? Because I, I think the last one we saw was uh, probably Dustled on back in like August or something. But uh, are you a fan of vampires? I'm not drawn to vampire movies, but I still think there can be good ones. But it's to, for me, it's more about the individual movie and whether it stands on its own two legs than whether it's in the, the vampire subgenre. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like vampires aren't something I, I seek out, and in general, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm not like crazy about them. But you're right; like every movie approaches them in a different way and characterizes them differently. So, kind of have to go by the movie versus yeah. the genre. Yeah. Yep. Good point. Um, the director here, uh, David Slade. Uh, I, I would, have you seen any of his other movies? Uh, he's done like one of the Twi- Twilights and a Hard Candy, uh, Bandersnatch. You seen any of those? Mm, I. Th- think i've maybe seen no i didn't see eclipse i think we dropped before we got to eclipse oh. <laughs> the twilight saga no i don't think i've seen any of those i still want to watch black mirror bandersnatch but i probably never will oh, okay was that the one do you remember if that's the one where you like you get to choose uh your path yeah that was the interactive one. Oh, okay okay that's cool and he's uh, done lots of uh tv and i've heard good things about hard candy mm. is that a horror film no, I think it might be kind of a dark drama or a thriller, but I don't oh. know too much about it. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, that name sounds really familiar. Um, were you excited as I was to see Josh Hartnett back on screen? I mean, would, would you like this guy? <laughs> uh, I don't think I do. Yeah, I kind of hate him too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like him because he just kind of stands for the late 90s, early 2000s. and yeah that's kind of when I was coming of age and going to see horror movies in the theater, but I don't think I like him. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I kind of, I feel like as a culture, we've all kind of turned against him for some reason. <laughs> I think I, we're all like, what, what were we doing there? Yeah, I know. And I what know. was up with his hair? And why yeah, yeah. didn't we put a stop to it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Just one of those embarrassing things. Um, d- uh, what are the odds that when he signed up for this movie, he thought it was a sequel to 40 Days and 40 Nights? Right? And they're strangely <laughs> similar titles. Yeah, yeah. And it, after holding it, because it goes in the whole plot of 40 Days, 40 Nights, like, he, he was like, uh, he was abstaining from sex for that long. Yeah. And, and, uh, sex with himself, even. Oh, yeah. Right. And so he heard the title of this and he's like, ah, 30 days. That, that's, that's easy. I, I, did I can 40. do that. I did yeah. 40. <laughs> I like to think that's what he went into this thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't like him. He's still acting, though. I mean, like, uh, it looks like he's still got a pretty active filmography. You, you check him out at all? I didn't check that out. Good uh, for him. I don't I don't wish him ill. I'm just not a crazy fan. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, and then Melissa George. I thought she looked really familiar, but I, I couldn't place her. Did, I mean, have you seen, do you remember her from other films? I thought she looked really familiar, too, and I didn't know why. And then I think I found what I recognized her from, the Amityville Horror remake in 2005. Oh. Oh, okay. That her performance stuck with you from that one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, I just have seen that a few times. So. Oh, okay. Cool. She was also in Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I thought that was like the bigger name thing she did. Yeah, I haven't seen that though. Okay. Cool. Um, one uh, interesting thing that I I thought uh, would would be fun to talk about. I so Josh Hartnett's character, I think in the comic, is a uh, is an Inuit, right? Correct. And do you feel like this is kind of race washing then by putting him, uh, by, by not like, uh, yeah, by going with like a white dude? Yeah, there was a bit of a controversy about it because, yeah, the they chose a white dude, the main character in the comic, comic was Inuit, and um, Barrow, Alaska, is only like 16% white as well. Mm, interesting. Wow. So they have a pretty large Inuit population, and it's no longer named Barrow. Um yeah. It's something with a U or something? Yeah, I could have sworn I wrote that down. Uh, My notes are all over the place for this episode for some reason. I feel like even if you wrote it down, I I wouldn't know how to pronounce it. 
I even went through the trouble to write down phonetically what wow. it was, and now I can't find it. I'm so oh. angry at myself. Did Did you see though that 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 actual town in real life? Uh, they actually have two months of darkness in the winter. Yeah, it's sixty six days. Yeah, so what they they brought it down for the movie? Yeah, I don't know why they did that. Maybe they just thought it had more of a ring to it. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, it, it's yeah. not called Barrow anymore. I found it. It's called Utkiagwik. Ooh, nice! Wow, good good pronunciation there. That probably horrible pronunciation there, but at least I tried. I'm sure that's like more of a like a local uh, name for yeah uh, yeah okay. Yes. And cool. so yeah, it's kind of like a. I almost wish they had just chosen a fictionalized city for this, because <laughs> they chose a real city, but the the they're wrong about the astronomy of it. Thirty days of night instead of. 66 but it really isn't the northernmost city in the u.s as they indicate on screen with a text card so that that part is true sure yeah but it wasn't even shot there right it was shot in new zealand correct yeah i agree i, I think a fictional town could have worked just as well and could have avoided i guess some of that uh yeah you know like uh get, get, getting the wrong race of characters in there right right that would have been a convenient way around that controversy yeah right right um, but alas, it was 2007, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, did and you... I mean, not to, that sounded bad. I'm like, oh, just put a different town and then you don't have to worry about being <laughs> racially accurate. I didn't make yeah. it sound like a dick there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, obviously it kind of just opens up for controversy. Um, the other thing that I thought might have been a little bit controversial, did you see how many overlaps this has with uh, the story, Stephen King's story, story of uh, Salem's Lot? I am not very familiar with Salem's Lot, but I've been meaning to pick that one for our movie sometime. Oh, okay. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know that one too all either, but apparently like the vampire name is very similar. The plot is pretty similar. There's like that love connection between the two characters and stuff. So uh, yeah, it sounds like a lot might have been uh, overlapped with that book. Okay, it'll be interesting when we check that out to, to go back and compare. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, otherwise, I think this was pretty successful. $30 million budget, made uh, $75.5 million at the box office. I think a good number on DVD sales as well. So, Does that pass your test of uh, profitability? Sure. I mean, the box office probably should have done better to be uh, truly profitable there. But, um, but yeah, they probably made their money back on the back end. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like it's got quite a following. Yeah, and I think so. And, I mean, people who are fans of the comic, I, it's got to have a following because they made a prequel miniseries on Fearnet. Oh, wow. In 2007, and then a sequel miniseries called Dust to Dust on Fearnet in 2008. Fearnet <laughs> was like a website and a network. It might still be. Yeah, yeah. And then and they made a straight-to-DVD sequel in 2010 called Dark Days. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. What a legacy. Yeah. Or a pretty, pretty big franchise, I guess. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes uh, was like a 50 or 60% or something? Oh, I forgot to check that. Yeah, I, I did think too. it was. It was. I think the user and the critic were both around 60 and 50. Okay, okay. Great. Uh, yeah, any, any other background you think we should talk about before we dive into it? Oh, I don't think so. The vampire language was invented for the film. I don't think that was part of the comic. Mm, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll but, talk about that. Oh, and the dude who played the main vampire, Danny mm-hmm. Huston. Yeah. He is, I, can, I don't know if it's Huston or Houston. He is the half-brother of Angelica Huston, or Houston. Sorry, everybody. I know I should know that. Who played Morticia in the Adams Family. Oh, Cool. Wow, yeah. that's a great connection. Yeah, he's he's actually I, I feel like he has a very familiar face and has done a lot of movies, right? Yeah, he's he's been in some American Horror Story. He was in Wonder Woman and the Wolverine Origins oh, yeah. one. Right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. I was I was surprised to see him as like the the head vampire here. Yeah, surprising. Um, cool. Do yeah. you got a Ohio connection for us? I do have an Ohio connection. As always, it comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and I think they should have their patio open by now. So if you're a listener in the Cleveland area, go check them out. Yeah. Um, Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. And Alex says, 30 Days of Night is a 2007 zombie film. Oh, he called it a zombie film. Hmm. 
Based on a comic book series of the same name, the film stars many recognizable actors including Josh Hartnett from Black Hawk Down and the Faculty, Danny Huston of Wonder Woman and The Aviator, and Ben Foster from Hell or High Water and 310 to Yuma. It also co-stars actor Mark Boone Jr. who plays the town's snowplow operator Bo. His credits include Sons of Anarchy, Memento, Batman Begins, and Too Fast, Too Furious. Boone Jr. was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I didn't realize yeah. he was Ohio native. Didn't realize that either. And I definitely recognized him from Batman Begins. Yeah, he's a very familiar face. Who was he in Batman Begins? I think he was the dude you see him at a falafel stand, and oh. instead of taking a tip, he takes money out of there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, I feel like either he like works for the police or something, but he was like crooked. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And cool. then the guy's like, "Come on, man, I've got kids to feed," and he's like, "They don't like falafel." <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that scene. Pretty now it's like raining. Dick line. Yeah. <laughs> wow, good memory. That's awesome. I like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else, or should we dive into the plot? No, let's dive into the plot. I have a, a little bit more of a uh, tidbit on the astronomy, I guess if that's maybe what you would call it, of uh, Utkiwig, Alaska, but I think that might be better saved for the end of the plot walkthrough. So ah, fun. Put a pin cool. in that. All right, I'm excited to hear it. All right, guys. Uh, well, then, yeah, let's let's uh, we'll jump into the plot. Uh, we'll hit some spoilers. We'll give our review. Uh, but before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I just wanted to grab a bite to eat really quick uh, down the street. Uh, sure, man. Can I call you right back? Yeah, do it. All right, great. I'll be right back. Hey man, sorry about that. I'm back. Did you get a bite to eat down the street? Uh, you know, I, I went to this uh, popular diner down the street uh, and asked for the the raw hamburger, which is like a special uh, on Wednesday nights. But uh, they're all sold out. You know, all these hipsters now are getting jumping on that raw meat diet. So I was out of luck. <laughs> it's the next big thing. It really is. Yeah, it's really taking off that all natural raw raw you hamburger. Got all the nutrients. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Uh, so this film, it opens with the shot of a dude walking across a snowy landscape uh, towards this town. Uh, he seems to be walking away from some uh, historic-looking ship. Um, I want to ask you, like, is, is your impression that he was on that ship and, and that's how he got there, I guess? That was not my impression at all until I read the Wikipedia plot just moments before we started recording. There oh. were a few things in that Wikipedia plot summary where I was like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what was good, right? I thought it was someone who lived in the town looking out at the ship and wondering what was the deal with that ship. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. What did it's, you it's, think? Did you did you know what they were trying to communicate here? Uh, yeah, I thought it was a very, like, ominous, like, old-school ship, and that was, like, it was kind of weird that it was here. Um, but, yeah, something about this guy just kind of feels like an outsider, like, walking in and, like, discovering this town. So uh, I, I, I sense there was a connection between him and that ship, and he was coming from that or something. Okay, is, all right. Is that is that what Wikipedia says? Yeah, yeah, you got it better than I did. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we jump to this town, which, uh, as we mentioned, uh, it's about to enter a dark period for 30 days where the sun's not going to come up. And uh, we meet Sheriff Eben, um, who is played by Josh Hartnett. He's investigating some random things that are going on on around the town. Uh, like all these satellite phones have been burnt up. Uh, a bunch of dogs have been murdered. I think a helicopter was sabotaged. So there's all, all this kind of like strange stuff that's happened that's kind of um, unexplainable. Uh, and we also meet his estranged wife, Stella, who is in town on some business. And uh, she's trying to leave before the sun sets, but she ends up getting uh, stuck there because there's like a fender bender. Uh, what did you think of this opening and like this introduction of these characters and the town? I thought it was just fine. I, I love the premise. Like, I got excited right off the bat because I was like, and I kind of knew it from the title, but it's such a great premise. Uh, vampires are in a town that has 30 days of night. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm in. Um, <laughs> 30 days of vampires, yeah. Yeah. But there wasn't anything too much else in the uh, intro here to make me super excited. It it was fine. Yeah. How about you? 
you know, I, I like the cinematography of uh, what, what they're showing of like this Alaskan town, like all the, the snow and, and like the openness of it. And then I thought like uh, Eben, like as a character, like uh, as, as kind of like he reminded me of almost like a Tommy Lee Jones and No Country for Old Men. Um, just that kind of like old sheriff in a small town looking into like some small like suspicious crimes. Uh, I, I, I kind of enjoyed that part of it. I mean, did, did that rub you the wrong way at all? It didn't rub me in any way because I had no idea that a person could think that 2007 Josh Hartnett reminded them of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> like a young Tommy Lee Jones? You know? <laughs> oh my God. You, you don't see the, the George you, Costanza thing from yeah. the burning all over again. You don't see like the worse. resemblance between these two? No, no. <laughs> oh man. I'll send you a side by side. Oh, okay. I, I, I still owe you the one from the burning. But yeah, yeah, you owe me a few, a few <laughs> supporting documents for your crazy theories over the years. You're gonna get a folder in the mail, and it's gonna have just <laughs> and cut to me like with multiple cups of coffee, flipping through this folder, being like, "My God, he's been right this whole time." Yeah, exactly. The evidence is all here. <laughs> uh, but you know that that feel of like a small town sheriff uh, who's just kind of like bored and tired, and like he's giving like a ticket to a guy who like doesn't really deserve a ticket, but he's like, "Well, that's how we make him feel like he belongs with the community," and that that kind of like old school like wisdom, I guess that. Uh, you assume maybe in small towns people have not so much yeah he's he's folksy i'll give you that like, folksy like yeah. tommy lee jones yeah that's a great word for it that's good okay cool and then <laughs> <laughs> uh so we start to see uh some weird stuff go down there's this one guy who works at like a satellite station and he suddenly gets ambushed by a group of vampires and we see another group of three people who uh, work at like this power station get like pulled into the dark by these like really quick moving vampires uh what'd you what'd you think of like these first few attacks i wasn't wild about them because the people just kind of disappeared from the screen it was almost like too quick right yeah like there, there wasn't even that much suspense build up and then they were just get like yanked off screen it, yeah it, it did happen too fast for my taste and, and then, like, they'd almost get, like, yanked into, like, the darkness right in front of the character. It's like, the character would be looking in the direction they got pulled in, but they can't see anything. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. It was almost like in the Looney Tunes cartoons when that big hook comes out and yanks somebody off stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It leaves that, like, uh, like that cloud behind. <laughs> yeah, there is a CGI cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, uh, though, like, when you saw the vampire, like, eating the one dude, uh, it was kind of, like, like, sped up really quick and gave you a sense of, like, their speed and how fast they are, which uh, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, meanwhile, back in the town, uh, that stranger that we saw in the opening who was, like, walking in the snow, he enters this diner and he tries to order a raw hamburger. Uh, when he doesn't get what he wants, he starts to get a little threatening. But Sheriff Eben shows up and arrests him and takes him to the station. He gives some ominous warnings to Eben, and uh, Stella has joined him now as well. So you kind of have this uh, dynamic of, like, uh, this couple that, you know, have had some issues in the past. But uh, this guy's, like, basically warning them that, like, it's too late, you're all going to die, and that kind of thing. Uh, at this point, the power goes out, and uh, Eben and Stella go to check it out, and uh, are again attacked by a vampire who jumps on the car. And uh, I, I thought this was a cool shot. You had that vampire in the car kind of, like, hammering at the top while they're driving away. Uh, did, did you like that scene at all? That was kind of cool, yeah. Um, yeah. You're right about the cinematography. That that uh, is maybe a highlight of this movie in, in some ways. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it really captures that feeling of a remote town that's pretty stranded and isolated. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about these vampires being like ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. this was a cool scene. Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, one, yeah. You said one oh, thing. I, now that we're talking about cars, that I forgot to mention in that intro scene. Mm-hmm. The part of the reason she misses her airplane to get out of town is because she's hit. By the dude who drives the snowplow, yeah, or who drives some piece of equipment, and totals her car, and then he just hops out and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay?" Yeah, I know. It's like, what the fuck? You just was, yeah. you nearly killed the person. That was a major accident. Yeah, like, and they were both just like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah." I, I think that's a small town dynamic. You know, you get hit by someone, but you know them really well, so it's okay or something. I, I don't know. That's it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, that that was really weird. It was strange. 
and, and then what were your thoughts on the stranger? Like, I feel like he was over the top uh, creepy and like had a accent and a voice that was like very like ominous, but couldn't tell if it was like too over the top. What, what did you think? I thought his accent was too over the top. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't even pin down what type of accent it was. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, he was hamming it up a bit. It's like ordering a raw hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I couldn't place what they were trying to go for with that accent. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell where that dude was coming from. Um, so they, they get back to the town now after they've been attacked, and uh, they see the town's kind of getting ransacked. Places are on fire. The police station has been broken into, and like his grandma's been killed who worked at the station. Uh, they join up with this group of survivors at this diner, and they all decide to move to the secret attic in the town uh, where they decide to shack up there for a while. Uh, we also get a shot of like all the attacks going around in town. So I, I think this, like all the attacks till now, I think you're right, have been like very quick. Uh, did, did this scene for you, like that aerial shot of like all the vampires attacking people in the town, kind of slow it down and uh, give you more of like what you want in the action? It gave me a little bit more of what I wanted. I wish that they had not done any of these like yank off the screen things and mm-hmm. just started with. So we know some ominous stuff is happening, right? We see the boat on shore. We see that like certain things that connect them to civilization are disabled, like helicopters, sled dogs. Yeah, satellite phones. So I would have preferred they just let that ominousness happen. And instead of just like bridging between this scene with, you know, random people getting yanked, Mm -hmm. um, I think they should have just gone the first thing we see of the vampires the scene yeah. with that couple in their house where one of the vampires just breaks through the window. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that, that should have been the first time we see a vampire. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have been a very different movie. Like, it would have built up the suspense a lot more versus, like, these ninja attacks from the dark. Yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. But, I, you know, I the, the, like, part of me, like, kind of has back in my mind that, like, this is based on a comic where I'm sure a lot of that stylized violence is coming, like, directly from that. So I'm imagining that's why they led with that pretty early on maybe yeah i think they should have stuck with that stylized violence but had that be there basically there's no reason for people to just get yanked off the screen that didn't yeah. really add much for me so it comes yeah. straight to the the violence and the town getting taken over yeah 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 i think that would have made it a lot stronger it would have been cool um, so yeah, the, the town now has been taken over by these vampires. Um, this group of survivors is hanging out in this secret attic. Uh, vampires are hunting people down on the street. And at this point, we start to know that they have a leader whose name is, uh, whose name is Marlo. Um, he's, he's like the main dude and kind of commanding the vampires. And I think he tells the vampires, uh, when you kill people, take their heads. Uh, that way they won't turn into vampires. And this is like kind of where we're introduced to their native language, which it's you were saying is their own made up language, right? Yeah, they made it up for the film. Lots of right. uh, clicking sounds. Yeah, yeah. Did you like that? The fact that they had a language? Yeah, and like how it sounded. Um, I did not really. I didn't think it added anything in terms of scares. Yeah. Uh, and I also felt like if they were going to be having these meetings and we know enough about them that they have a leader and pretty organized yeah i thought that there should have been more to them and more to their goal in, mm-hmm. if we were going to have all these scenes sure sure what did yeah. you think i i'm a little bit uh, on board with you like i i kind of feel like when villains talk they become less scary and especially when they're organized and having like town hall meetings then they're they're just like another group of humans i guess so it's a, that's it kind of reduces the scariness of them yeah it really sucked the scariness out yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I thought the language sounded okay. It was, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to invent a language for vampires, I don't think you could do that much better than this. Yeah. But I just thought it was unnecessary. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. Um, so then after some time, uh, this group of survivors, they run out of supplies, uh, so they uh, wait for a blizzard to come, and they make it over to a supply store. At the supply store, I felt like this was a little random, but they get attacked by this little girl uh, who's dressed up as a cheerleader and has like blood all over her face. Uh, did, did this feel like forced in for you, or what were your thoughts about this? I think it did feel shoehorned in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where where did she come from? Like, what, what was I, th- I think that no one knew who she was. Was she just like one of the uh, vampires from that wedding party? So I guess she must have been part of the wedding party, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they may, made a point of going through the characters and being like, does anyone recognize her? 
there yeah. were a few parts of this movie where it felt like they were trying to hint at something bigger that never came <laughs> yeah 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 like a deeper story yeah like why do we n- need to know that the vampires have little girls with them too right yeah yeah that's true. I mean, if, and if you think there's like a three series comic or like three books of comics behind this, I'm sure there's like backstories to each of these characters or something or some crazy like depth that uh, we, we only get a glimpse of here or something. Right. Yeah. So it's a challenge. Uh, so this group moves on from the general market to the police station and they finally end up at the Utilidor, which um, I think is like a, is that like a power station? What do, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's like an underground corridor with, yeah, connected to generators and power lines and, yeah. They kept saying that word and I was like, what the fuck? I just paused the movie and (laughs) after they had said it like five times, like an hour into the movie, I was like, all right, I guess I need to look up what a utilidor is. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. I I felt like such an idiot. They kept saying, you got to get to the utilidor. You got to get to the utilidor. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved it if one of the characters was just like, is it too late for me to ask what a utilidor is? And every other <laughs> yeah. character was like, thank you, thank you. What yeah, <laughs> we have no idea what this guy's we been talking about. We have no about. idea where we've been going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just following your old, wizened visage, Josh Hartnett <laughs> from 2007. Exactly. <laughs> they all probably thought he was Tommy Lee Jones, and they just, uh, <laughs> I like this guy know what he's talking about. <laughs> this guy's been around long enough to know his shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, on on the way as they're traveling from these places we get some uh, I thought what were like creative kills you have like Eben using a UV light to burn one of the vampires Uh, the other dude drives this tractor into some of them and into a building that explodes I think one vampire gets thrown into like this heavy duty shredder that uh, eats him up what did you think of all like this violence did did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoy violence Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, there were some scenes here where I felt like they redeemed some of the people just disappearing from the screen. Like, especially mm-hmm. that snowplow scene. There was one where the vampire was up on the snowplow and, like, I, I can't remember if he braked suddenly or knocked him somehow, but he fell into this rotor of some sort and just got ripped to shreds right there on the snowplow. Oh, right, um, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I think he had some cool kills here. Uh, those, those are fun to see. Yeah, did you notice the speed of the vampires slowed as the movie went along? Like they weren't I like did, I did kind of notice that when it really mattered to the main characters the, yeah. that the vampires not catch up with them, the vampires went really slow. Yeah, I know, that's convenient for them. Uh, so finally, they've almost made it the whole month. I think they're like one day out from sunrise. Uh, the vampires uh, realize that they need to burn down the town so that there's no evidence that they exist anymore. Uh, but unfortunately, Stella is stuck hiding under uh, a truck outside. So Eben realizes he's got to do something to save her before the vampires burn the whole place down. So he prepares to battle the vampires, and to do so, he injects himself with the blood of someone uh, who had turned into a vampire. So he kind of makes himself into a vampire gets into a fight with Marlo, the head vampire, and punches him through the mouth, which goes through the back of the guy's head and kills him. The rest of the vampires run away, and the movie ends with Eben and Stella reuniting, the sun coming up, and Eben uh, dying uh, as he gets burned by the sun. But I think Stella's kissing him, so maybe their relationship has reconciled? Is that the impression you got? Yeah, to some degree they had reconciled. Yeah. A little too, Wait, little you- too late. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> what what did you think of uh, the ending? I thought, like, what, the whole thing, the whole shebang? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, well, yeah, yeah, the whole shebang and then the ending, too. Yeah, I mean, I meant, like, the whole shebang of the ending or just this specific moment in the sunlight. Oh, the, yeah, the, the whole shebang of the ending, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, now that we've said the word shebang too many times. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I always feel bad when we get these recommendations and I don't care for the movie, but I think it's probably yeah. clear by now that I don't. I, I'm uh, getting that feeling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the very much about this ending. Um, like, I get him, him injecting the vampire blood into his arm was part of the comic. So mm-hmm. I get if you want to keep that in here. Then he goes, as he's walking down to, like, approach this group of vampires, the leader, who's always been trying to say some shit that's wise, but it's always just kind of unnecessary to me throughout the movie. 
Sure. He says something in their language, and on the bottom of the screen, it says subtitled, The One Who Fights. Oh. <laughs> he sees Josh Hartman <laughs> approaching and says, The One Who Fights. Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just it was a pretty big eye roll from me. Yeah, yeah. And then during the fight, they're just kind of like having a normal fight. There's ups and downs. And it, it, it doesn't feel like cinematically like, okay, this is the moment. This is the make or break moment in the fight. It's just yeah. at some point in the fight, he punches through the guy's face. There's no real <laughs> basis to make you think he could punch through another vampire's face. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have never seen any of the other ones do anything like that. Uh, we do know they're super strong, but... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it just was so strange. And then he did this to save her from underneath his burning car. Yeah, and he bought her like two minutes of time by doing like <laughs> the sun came out as he is like punching through this guy's face. I know, and I know. All the vampires scatter. Are they scattering because the sun's coming out? Right? Not just because he punched so. the guy in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it's a mix of both of those elements. And then the movie then kind of has the vibe that all is resolved now, right? The 30 days of night is over. Right. Utkiwik, or however you pronounce it, Utkiwik, the day after that 66 days of endless night is 46 minutes of sunlight. (laughs) (laughs) They're just going to go somewhere for a little while, right? And then come back and have... You have many more days where there's only like an hour or two of daylight. That's Um, true. That might be nitpicking, but it was just kind of like the nail in the head of a lot of other nitpicks that I had. Yeah. Like the final nail in the coffin, rather, of a lot of other nitpicks I had throughout the movie. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Because yeah, the sun would only pop up for like a little bit. It's not like you're back to a full day of sunlight, right? Yeah, yeah, 46 minutes. I checked it, I checked the calendar. In 2021, the first day of sunlight there was 46 minutes long. 46 minutes, yeah. <laughs> so then it was night again for 23 hours and 14 yeah. minutes. So I guess... <laughs> And, you know, that's not a tidy, neat way to end a movie. And it's just a movie, a big Hollywood $30 million movie. Yeah. So I'm probably looking into it too much. But, like, where did the vampires go? And where did they go anyway? What was their plan when that time ended? Like, were they going to go back to the ship and then go back home, wherever that was? I I guess if we're going to go out of the way to establish that these vampires have their own language and their little, like, town hall meetings... I wanted to know more about what their plan was and why, because you need to justify them having a, a language and speaking to each other, because like you said, it's going to make them less scary. Right, right. So Otherwise, I think if you're yeah. going to make them less scary, you got to have a good reason to do it. Yeah, yeah, to have like a good backstory there or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that also applies to the beginning of the movie, like where we don't know like exactly where they came from or where they've been this whole time. And then, yeah, they just show up and then you're right. We don't know where they go at the end. So it's kind of like an unresolved uh, issue in this movie. Yeah, and I also didn't really understand the point of the guy with the weird accent. Uh, which one was that? The guy who came into the diner and asked for raw hamburger meat. Oh. So I think his job was to come into town while it was daylight, and he's the one that was like sabotaging like all the communications in the town so that the vampires could emerge at nighttime and like they wouldn't have any escape. I, that was my understanding. You didn't get that? Okay, no, I did not get that. And he was a human. Yeah, it was weird because he had like the teeth that were like kind of turning into fangs, and uh, I don't know. I, I thought he had the impression that they would like fully turn him. So I'm guessing he was like some kind of half-turned uh, vampire. Is that a thing? Okay, that's really yeah. weird. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's a thing. I, I that was strange to me because, yeah, if he's wanting raw meat, he's got to be some sort of vampire, and right. If he's some sort of vampire, why can he be out in the daytime? Um, yeah, and why did they even need to do that in the daytime? Couldn't they have just waited until it was nighttime? Oh yeah, and use like their ninja powers and done it a lot easier, probably. Yeah, yeah, and again at the at the top of the movie, they do kind of the same thing. They make it seem like okay, one day it's day for twelve hours, and then all of a yeah. sudden night. It it would have right. been, it, it would have you know slowly shrunk again. It would have been day yeah. for forty six minutes, and then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is this your astrological thing that you wanted to bring up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my that's my astronomical beef. 
Oh, astronomical. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I, I think I that makes a lot a of sense. Pro- podcast for the astrological stuff. Oh yeah, that's where we're getting the signs and all the stuff of the vampires. <laughs> he was a Virgo. You shouldn't be at it been acting that way. <laughs> it's not believable. Um, yeah. No, that, that, those are really good points. Like the logic and the foundation of this film is is pretty fundamentally flawed. And uh, and then yeah, I agree with you on the ending. Like that action sequence didn't feel very climatic weird fight like you don't really know what's going to happen and then yeah they were like basically minutes away from like the next day happening she didn't really seem like she was in a lot of danger either uh so i don't think it would have killed them to wait a little bit longer it's crazy that he like kind of just gave up his life uh then and, and i don't know what his thought process was in becoming a vampire like that was the only way to go out but uh, yeah the, the end of the last act definitely felt weak it seems like you thought the other parts of the movie uh t- didn't feel as strong either yeah, but let's let's get out this negativity train and and tell me about what you thought of the movie. Okay. Oh, oh, you, you, we're out of the negativity. I think we're about to. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got more to say. I just feel like <laughs> I want to take a break from from shitting on this movie, and I feel like you sure. have some good things to say about it. Yeah, like I, I thought, uh, I thought the action sequences were pretty cool. And like the the vampires, almost like a twenty eight days uh, kind of vibe, where you have them moving really fast, and when they are eating someone, like the effects on like their face and like the teeth and the blood and like the blood splatters all uh, looked pretty cool. Um, and I, I thought the build up was good, and like obviously the setting, the remoteness uh, was pretty awesome. Um, but then, yeah, I, th- I definitely thought it, it got kind of weak towards the ending and the execution and then how close they were to sunlight, but then they made kind of like some dumb decisions. And I didn't get like the fact that they were kind of like hopping around town. It didn't really seem too necessarily to keep doing that. Um, and then I, I know like they kept trying to throw in characters too. Like uh, they, they randomly bring back one of the police, uh, like Billy, uh, who's like one of um, an- another cop or something at the end to show like he had killed his family prematurely or something. Um, so I, I don't know, some of these characters didn't really seem necessary, uh, and maybe were just there for like kill count or something. So, uh, but I, I, I do, I did like the action in the, in the choreography or sorry, not the choreography, but, uh, the, uh, cinematography. I do think the cinematography and the setting were cool. Like it gave off that wintry vibe. And if you go on IMDb, there are people who are like, there's no ice on the, uh, the power lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You you can nitpick the wintriness of it, but I thought aesthetically and stylistically that was cool. Yeah. Um, at one point during the commercials, I went on, I got up, my wife was out of the house, and I got up and turned on the back porch and like thought to myself, it's like wet and slippery out there. I got to have the light on for her. And then I was like, wait, it's 60 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> I was like in yeah. this winter world in my mind. Yeah, it puts you there, right? Yeah, I thought it did a good job of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the town depiction is pretty cool. Did Did you notice uh, there were some scenes where, like, like for example, when they go, uh, when they find that one other police officer who's killed uh, his family off, like, uh, there was actually a surprising amount of light in, like, uh, in the rooms that they were going into. Um, when, like, you know, the power's been cut, we know, like, they're stuck in, at, in, like, a nighttime mode. Did that ever catch you off guard? That was a beef with some people on IMDb, too. Um, oh yeah! I didn't catch it. Didn't catch me off guard as I was watching, but in hindsight, yeah, it probably should have been darker. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the scenes were like lit up way too well for it to be like nighttime. Yeah. Although <laughs> twilight does happen frequently in the oh. sixty-six days of night. It. I think there's never a day without any twilight. Interesting. Um, twilight being that that time of day where the sun has gone below the horizon, but it's not completely dark yet. So yeah, yeah. the sun never comes above the horizon for 66 days, but you st- do still get those moments as oh, if twilight. the sun had just set. Interesting. And do you think that uh, affects vampires at all? I don't think so. I think the sun's got to be above the horizon traditionally. Okay, okay cool. So they're, But they're that okay could be an excuse for some of the lighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't sense. think they thought it through that much. But. <laughs> I don't think so. If they're jumping from like pure darkness to like 12 hours of daylight, then yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the characters, though, and, like, the relationship uh, with, like, Eben and Stella and, and others? I thought it was really kind of weak. Um, it was kind of like a feeble attempt to establish something that they're these estranged husband and wife, and we don't... 
that's they don't follow that thread all the way through or if they do they mm. barely give it any attention they right. try to put some emotion onto these other random characters that you mentioned they introduce like that guy who prematurely killed his family because he didn't want them to die the way he was seeing other people dying yeah uh, right. i don't know why that big emotional thing which honestly wasn't even that powerful was put onto him and they didn't spend enough time putting any emotions onto our main characters yeah there's another dude who turns and is like, you got to kill me. And he gives this whole backstory about his family that he lost in a car accident. Right. Fine, yeah. I guess. But it was just like, you know, we don't have any emotional connection to the main characters here. Like, Maybe you should spend <laughs> some time on that. At least I didn't think so. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it was like kind of really fell into the, the backdrop of the story. And uh, yeah, it, it could have been a lot stronger if they had dived into some of their more uh, personal issues. I mean, yeah, we never really understood why they had like split up or anything, right? No, there was a brief moment where she maybe insinuated that it was because he didn't want kids. Hmm. Okay. Um, so if that was the case, I think there's just a lot, a, a better movie you could have made from these bones. Sure. Like, if that was the case, you can do, like, a little bit of a Jurassic Park situation where a kid who is not their kid comes under their wing and he takes on, like, a, a fatherly role in this, like, quick bond they develop in the tragedy, kind of like Sam Neill and the kids in Jurassic Park. Um, and then at the end, maybe he sacrifices himself for her and the kid and they're, for a brief moment, they are a family, you know? Yeah, that would have made a lot of sense. Would have been powerful. And the yaysayers of this movie will say, like, hey, Brian, she was under the car with this kid who, like, wandered into the, the midst of the whole scene towards the yeah. end. Um, that kid that kid was so random, though, right? But the kid was so random. The kid had a backstory in the comic because whoever wrote the plot summary on Wikipedia had way more information than the movie gave us. Sure, yeah. Um and that's a, a whole other thing where I, I I maintain that a lot of movies that are adapted from written works they try to they try to bring in too many of the connections from the the written work where they should just kiss something's goodbye or or change the story so that a viewer can understand it without having read the the source material. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's always like an issue. Like anytime you're trying to convert something like that, uh, yeah, you got to make those cuts. Otherwise, um, yeah, you just have like these kind of things that have more meaning behind them that like work in the context of like a full story, but um, not like in, in like an independent movie like this, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, and yeah, so she did. Die. She was under the car with a kid, but there wasn't any. The movie kind of did the opposite to hold your hand of holding your hand through any like emotional through lines. Like if that was their intention for him to die, like sacrificing himself for his wife and what could eventually be their kid, like give us one little snippet where we can infer that that was what they were trying to do. Like end the movie with her grabbing that kid's hand and like walking into the town that's on fire or something like that to, to build a life back together. You know, they didn't, it didn't seem like that was really their intention. No, it didn't. Yeah, they could have easily added like some significance there, but it seems like they avoided that. Yeah. Um, I, I did think some of the relationships, like uh, the one guy whose like, dad is maybe struggling from Alzheimer's or something, uh, and he like wanders out into the cold because he can't be hiding anymore. Um, I, I thought you had like a kind of a hard, you know, that, that was kind of a, a hard scene to see like uh, him go like out into the cold and basically die because he was trying to get his dad and stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like him like finding his grand mother dead in the police station um and then like the relationship between him and his brother i think they tried to throw something in there but yeah it definitely could have been a lot stronger though yeah that, and and i get those attempts but it was just so it almost made the the absence of a true emotional story between him and his estranged ex-wife or wife they're still married it yeah, just made right. it that much more obvious that they weren't focusing there yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. Um, and I think they just could have, if they had developed that inner story, that emotional story between husband and wife more, it could have lended more credence and reason to the outside story, of the external events of what they were actually doing and given them some more motivations. Like, there could have been ways to weave that together because like you had mentioned at one point, 
a large part of the second act just feels like they're moving from place to place and you don't know why. Right. Like right. they would just show them in the attic and be like, we got to move. And <laughs> you're like, wait, what? Why? You made it like 20 days here. Yeah. Um, and then is, there yeah. wouldn't be, there may be a little chatter about why, but like it should have been a really big emotional thing when they all left this place they had been holding up for 20 days. But then yeah. they just cut to all them outside now. Like right. there's no emotion to it there's not even any tension of like a door creaking as they exit the house it's just like okay now they're outside right. yeah and then that's like in such contrast to like i feel like dawn of the dead where like they're at that mall and like every move is like this big discussion and like it's like drenched in tension when they do these kind of things uh this one yeah you're right that, that was like totally missing here yeah yeah damn yeah, shit. Uh, and then uh, what, one thing I didn't understand, uh, I think the vampires knew that these guys were hanging, hiding out in the utilidor at the end, right? Because, like, doesn't one of them come so, in there? Yeah, right, because one of them breached it, so they theoretically could know, and they seem to, like, somehow, sometimes be able to, like, call to each other via, like, shrieking and stuff, which I yeah I wasn't really down with. Okay. Did you like the, the vampires, like, their costume and, and the get-up? I didn't like them. I didn't like them very much. Oh, okay. Was it because they looked like the... I thought they looked kind of silly, even. Uh, like their outfits or, like, the makeup on their face? The makeup on their... Especially the woman, um, like, Marlo's significant yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was just, like, their eyes were slightly angled down. Yeah. It, it just... It didn't look that good to me. There was a bit of, like, a comic-y uh, look to them, uh, other than that. But I kind of just felt like they were trying to, like, over-stylize it to match whatever was in the comic, which, I don't know, I, I wonder if, like, the, you know, trying to do this off of a comic is, like, holding the film back and probably pointing to a lot of its downfalls. I think so. I think so. And they, they like, made some effort, it sounds like, to get the script closer to the comic. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. This It sounds like the history with the script was that it was written by um niles what's his full name steve uh, niles steve it? niles who who yeah. wrote the 2002 comic book miniseries mm-hmm. um so he wrote the initial script then it was rewritten by Stuart Beatty, and then rewritten again by brian nelson wow okay. so i don't know something happened in those three rewrites where i i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if it got worse <laughs> yeah yeah just like a bad game of telephone <laughs> yeah yeah because it really does seem like some things were just kind of dropped like the ball yeah. was dropped yeah yeah oh shit we forgot to explain why these characters like uh broke up or like who that young girl was that that were yeah yeah there's some elements missing for sure yeah uh well yeah all that being said uh how many uh why well, it sounds like you love this film so <laughs> how many fists <laughs> how many fists through the through the mouth uh, that go through the back of the head would you give this one my apologies to everyone who requested this i appreciate you i'm glad you requested it i'm glad i watched it because i've always been very curious about this movie but i give it 1.5 fists through the back of the head wow that's that yeah i can't remember the last time you went that low on a film that's that's low yeah it like actively aggravated me throughout <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick. I, I just, I had to go with my, I tried to be as honest as I can on every rating. Some, some people may take issue with that. And I might get called out for my Tusk review on our Discord server. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think everything you pointed out is entirely valid. Uh, I, I, I'm at a 2.5 heads through the uh, back of the... Uh, mouth uh, through the head uh, only because uh, I didn't think it was like entertaining and like well paced and uh, it moved like pretty well even though like it wasn't like fully flushed out and some of it was like kind of wonky and, and goofy and that third sequence kind of sucked but uh, at, at least I, I, I thought it was entertaining um, like I mean you, you enjoyed watching it at least or were you just pissed off the whole time I was I was upset oh good <laughs> I sound like a baby but uh I, I don't think it f- moved well. I don't think it flowed well. I don't think the pacing was good. I, I yeah. just, like, I struggle to find many good things to say about it. Sure, um, sure. I, in my mind, two is like, oh, I didn't like it. And one is like, I was actively angry at it throughout. Uh, and I was angry through through uh, many parts of it. Not angry, just frustrated. But um so yeah, 1.5. I landed in the middle of those two things. I do think the setting was cool and the premise was great. Um, I just feel like they could have done so much more with it. 
And even though I didn't love the vampire appearance, like the movie did have a certain sense of style. And I think it stuck to that style the whole time. Like it was a cohesive work of visual art. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You could definitely feel its tone in, in the style for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Uh, it just sounds like you're very sensitive when it comes to things that uh, deal with astronomy and misrepresentations of sunset times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to note that. I'm pretty sensitive about the uh, the sun and moon dates. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's this website called timeanddate.com that's pretty rad. If anyone else is interested in that stuff, you should check it out. Ah, okay, okay. Is this why you didn't like uh, Midsommar? Where there's some... Uh, <laughs> right? Anytime <laughs> we get into some sort of territory where the days are long or the nights are long, I, I get angry. <laughs> You're calling BS on accuracy. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't anyone read a sundial in here? I'm What's like checking my timeanddate.com app, which I do have yeah. one of their apps on my phone. Ah, okay, okay. Good I'm not that knowledgeable <laughs> about that kind of stuff. I'm just interested in it, and it, uh, it did yeah. stick out to me because it just... That's just not how the world works. I mean, yeah. Not it's, that anyone should notice it, but it's I don't know. not like you need to be an expert to to piece it together. Like, okay, now it's daytime again for yeah. twelve hours. Well, you're doing a film, and your whole title is about that, and like the story's like based on that. You think like, yeah, they, they should do some of their homework on it, and not make it so like black and white. And like these are like kind of obvious uh, things that they could have addressed. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Also, an interesting choice was that the population, they showed it as 563, and then they changed it to 152 when they had that scene where so many people leave town for this period yeah. of time. Yep. Um, but the real population of that city is like 4,200. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised to see that. It is, it is a lot bigger. Yeah. Just another reason I feel like it may have been better to go with a fictionalized version of this city. Yeah, it definitely didn't need to be a, a real city. Pro- yeah. Probably just a hangover from the comic book or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, any, any other inaccuracies you want to point out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, I'm, I'm done. I, I hope everyone can forgive me, and please tune in next week when I will hopefully like whatever movie we cover more than I like this. <laughs> and I can stop being such a dick, and hopefully everything regarding the sun and the moon will be accurate in that movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to the normal. Uh, I, I I think it's good to be a dick once in a while, and uh, I, I I could definitely see it on this one. To, okay, totally understand it. All right, well uh, that's it for our discussion on Thirty Days of Thirty Nights. Or sorry, that's it. Our, that's it for our discussion <laughs> on Thirty Days and Thirty Nights. Is that what it's called? Oh, I mean, no, nobody was called. probably masturbating in that act, right? Or uh, having sex. Yeah. So it's basically the same movie, but with vampires. Exactly. In, in a shorter time period. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, well, the yeah. good news is you have to wait less time to masturbate, but the bad news is there are vampires. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a mixed bag. That's <laughs> That might be better or worse. And if you're super uh, turned on by vampires, then you got all sorts of mixed feelings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's going to be a weird month for you. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that that's it for 30 Days of Nights. Uh, if you enjoyed our discussion, uh, we'd love to hear feedback. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate any uh, feedback we can get. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our links at horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Next week, uh, or we'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Uh, we also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other listeners and horror fans. You can find that link on our website. We have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is done by AMA Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, uh, know your sunset times, otherwise you're really going to piss Brian off, it sounds like. <laughs>